Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So this morning is a special service. It's a special service where we celebrate Christmas together because everybody's going away and, and it's Christmas and, and we're going on ho- to our holiday homes or family and we wanted to grab a date early enough to, to make sure that we celebrate Christmas together. We have a donut or last year we had a, what did we have last year? A, a cupcake and, um, and it's just amazing to do Christmas together. I love Christmas. I don't know about you. Um, I'm, I'm not religious about it. Um, I don't care if it's the right date or the wrong this or the right that. It's a time where I can celebrate Jesus with the whole world and be intentional about it and, um, and just enjoy it. Enjoy the birth of our King. And we had such a special moment this morning in worship. Thank you, Stephen, for that word. And um, it's amazing how God just stir our emotions and our heart when we start thinking what God did for us through Jesus. It's incredible. Now, I've got a word for you this morning. And I want to title my message today is this, the two most important words in your life. The two most important words in your life. Now, let's pause quickly. If you think about this, on this question, if you can pick two words in your life that's probably the most important, what will it be? Quickly think about it. Think about what words are important in your life. Think about it. What two words will be the most important words in your life? Maybe uh, if I pause, if, if, if I tell you, listen, we've recorded your, your whole year of what you're saying and how you've spoken, and what two words will stand out as the most two and most important words that you use often? But what two words will you pick? Maybe family. Maybe my job. Maybe health, safety, maybe peace, joy, maybe um, love. Maybe that's important words in our lives. Well, for kids, maybe it's I want. (laughs) And for adults, I want, especially over Christmas. I mean, Black Friday was just, I want this and I want that and I want that. Maybe that's your two most important words. You see, it's very it is very important to know that what is the words we use often that has the most power in our lives. Now, I want to start out this morning with Psalm 100. I love this psalm. And it says the following, and I'm reading from a New King James Version. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. The Lord is God and He's good. He made us and we are His. We are the people, the sheep of His pasture. Then he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. I love that. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? They call it the psalm of David, but the, the psalm of thanksgiving. But I want to look at verse 4 today, and it's this following. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, verse 4 in a message translation actually says the following. It says, enter with the password, thank you. Isn't that beautiful? Enter with the password, thank you. Now, a gate, a gate represents an entry into something different. Or maybe a different realm. And Psalm 100 says that we are to enter these gates with thanksgiving. 
The, the message translation says, this is your password at the gate, is thank you. It's quite an interesting password, isn't it? But, but maybe we can ask, what gates? What gates, Henny? You see, the scripture there says, it says, His gates. It's His presence. And in the Hebrew word, if you look at the, that word gates, the Hebrew word for gates or for doorway is called sha'ar. Sha'ar. And that actually has multiple meanings. It's a multiple meanings, but there's one that actually caught my eye, and it is storm. It is storm, gate. See, which for us in this context of this psalm today means when we pass through his gate, we enter his stormy, his passionate love for you. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're called to do, to enter his presence with thanksgiving. But when you enter that presence, you realize that there is so much compassion, so much passion and love for you. I love that. But the one thing I want to look at today is where the gate leads us. And it leads us into something new and different, right? Now this is, this time of year we are busy ending the year and we are almost looking going into a new year, right? It's a new season. And for some of you, maybe you are stepping into actually a new season next year. Maybe a new job, a new this, uh, maybe um, people are getting married, doing this, and, and it's new seasons in their lives. Now in Psalm 100 verse 4 tells us that whenever we are preparing for a new, new level or a new season in our lives, we can actually, we can accelerate things. And we can accelerate things by radically increasing our thanksgiving to God and to the people around you. Isn't that beautiful? You can increase this new level by thanksgiving. So the answer to my question, I'm going to give you the answer very quickly, right in front of the sermon, is thank you. That's the two most important words in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Now see, we've been busy with a series called Upside Down Gospel, and, 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 and I'm, I want to start out with, I'm going to use two scriptures out of the Gospel of Luke, because that's the, that's the gospel we've been working through. But I want to start out with a story where we see the power of these two words, this radical power of two words. Let's read it together. It's in, oh, sorry. It is in Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. We're going to read the whole part, and I'm going to speak about it. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, speaking about Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met ten men who were leopards who stood far, afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that they, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face and his feet, uh, on, at, at his face and his feet, giving, thank, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, so Jesus answered and said, were they not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were they not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Such a lovely, lovely play. I mean, there's probably three or four sermons in this, in this, in this uh, few verses. 
There's a couple of things I want to speak about today, a couple of things that happened in the story. The first thing that really stood out for me is that they shouted with loud voices. Look at that. They lifted up their voices. Why? Because Jesus didn't see them. They had to shout for him to see them. And then it says, then, so Jesus saw them and then he said, go and show yourself to the priest. These men had to make their voices known to get their miracle. They had to shout to Jesus to receive their miracle. It's so important to make our voice known today. Now, I'm not talking you need to make, make your voice known and speak to everyone. I'm talking about asking. Asking God. You see, there's, there's the scriptures in the Bible that said you receive not because you ask not. I, I usually use the, the, the verse that says if it's not communicated, it doesn't exist. If it's not asked, how do people know that you have a need? And it's a biblical principle. You know, a few weeks back, um, I don't know how many of you, probably a month back already, I had hay fever when hay fever in October started, uh, starting, started up. And it's always this once, one or two weeks in, in October. And uh, I had this hay fever thing coming, and the hay fever turned into a sinus thing. And, and after one Sunday morning after my preach, I lost my voice totally. I came home and I, <laughs> I couldn't speak. And for three days, I had no voice. And the first two days, I was like, ah, oh, well, this is fine. We'll probably come back. After day two, man, I had some bugging thoughts coming up. You had that thoughts, maybe, uh, that says that what if thoughts. Did you have that what if thoughts before in your life? What if my voice doesn't come back? What if I can't preach next weekend? What if I can't speak to my children again? What if, what if, what if, all those fears that comes rolling in, when you suddenly don't have something that you rely on so much then the Holy Spirit showed me this scripture and I went, I went to, as I was going through Luke and he would show me the scripture and this thing struck me you see God created us for relationship with him we all know that but that means that we have a voice to speak and to ask did you know that God gave us a voice to speak to ask to shout out as it means. I mean, those guys didn't say, hey, Jesus. They said, Jesus! Jesus! And Jesus said, ah, oh, hey, go and show yourself to the priest. Isn't that a great miracle? Ten guys. So what a privilege it is to have a voice before God. To have a voice in the throne room of Him. The scripture that says that when we pray, every prayer arrives at the throne room of God unto his feet every prayer short long fancy not fancy every prayer so i thought wow isn't that what the enemy wants to silence our voice he wants to silence our voice to keep us from our miracle he wants to he wants you so down in the dust, so down and out, that he doesn't want you to say anything to miss that miracle that God has set you up for. And then I realized, but it's only half of it. It's only half of it. See, the enemy, if the enemy can't keep us from shutting up or from keeping quiet, he keeps us from something more powerful, being thankful. Do you get that? 
You see, sometimes God comes and He is, this is an exuberant, yay, Lord. It, it, I ask, the miracle comes and, and we just go on without thanking. And we realize there's so much power in thanksgiving if you look what happened to the one. And you know what's the greatest challenge in this world? The greatest challenge in this world today is entitlement. Not even speaking about our country. It's entitlement. I am entitled to this. Why do I need to say thank you? I am entitled to this. Why do you even ask me to say thank you? And entitlement keeps us from that one powerful thing that God has set up for us. And if you look at the reasons why people aren't thankful anymore, we just look at the other nine lepers that never came back. And it may sound familiar to a society today, but maybe one of them waited to see if the cure was real. Maybe one wanted to see if the healing would last. Maybe one said to himself, what, oh, I'll see Jesus later. I'll thank him later. One decided that he actually never had leprosy. One said he would, he would have gotten well anyway. One gave the glory to the priests. One said, oh well, Jesus didn't really do anything anyway. One said any rabbi, rabbi could have done this. And one said, I was already much improved already. Sound familiar? You see, it releases something so powerful in just those two words. Thank you. Something so radically powerful. See, this man who came back to Jesus was a Samaritan man. And probably he probably didn't know even where to go because he was not a Jew. He didn't have a priest to go to. So he came back to the only man who he thought was his priest right now. And that was Jesus. It was Jesus. You see, with a voice, with a loud voice, he shouted for a miracle. And with a loud voice, he shouted with thanksgiving. And it brought a greater miracle into his life called salvation. Salvation. There was a faith that was released through his life that Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Now, now there's a lot of questions if you read to all these things. Did the other nine actually get healed because they didn't come back? I believe they did. Of course, God is good. But there was something more that was released through this man's life because he came and he thanked. See, thankfulness reveals, God, reveals to God and the people around us that the appreciative one is ready to be entrusted with more. More of the abundance. More of the glory of God. Because there is a thanksgiving that comes and flows through our life. There is so much power in thankfulness. I remember I heard a, a story of a, a man and a woman. I think it was, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to ponder about names. I'll get to it later. But him and his wife had a tough month financially. Very tough. And I was sitting at the kitchen table and I thought, how are we going to make this? And he sat back, he sat back and he said, honey, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for this kitchen table we're sitting around. Remember how long we trusted God for this table? We had nothing. 
And she said, yes. I was so thankful. You remember we picked out this chairs like a month after we had the table and we actually only could look at the table. Now we have chairs and we're sitting. He says, yes, you know what I'm thankful for? For our couches that God gave us two months after that. And they went on for half an hour. After half an hour, all the sorrow of not making it for the month was gone. And they were rejoicing of God's goodness. Why? Because they started with two most important words. Thank you. See, if, we're looking at, uh, if we are looking for a Christian that's spiritually healthy, if you want to look at people, a Christian that's spiritually healthy, just look at their level of thanksgiving in their lives. No matter if they're doing well or not, if they're doing good or not, just look at how much they are thanking God. Are they murmuring, complaining, or thanking? You know, there was only one thing that kept the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, themselves they're murmuring that's the only thing that kept them in the desert but i promise you if they after a year started thanking god for the manna for the for all the stuff that god has been giving them i believe they would have been in that promised land within a few days what's the number one thing we teach our children say thank you man we do that every day come back say thank you Donkey. <laughs> huh? Where's all the teachers? <laughs> you would probably know. But see, it's not just good manners. It is a release. It, is, it releases maturity and growth, and it creates a habit. And so much so with our spiritual growth. When we, when we put our finger on a thing, it's like, I'm going to say thank you. I mean, some of you knows me. I say thank you a lot. <laughs> But it's just something that is birthed into me that I want to say thank you as much as I can. Because the more I say thank you, the more I release God's goodness over your life, over my life. I thank Him for the goodness. Because I made it intentional in my life. You see, those who regularly say thank you have their eyes focused outwards and upwards. Those who don't, their eyes are only focused inwards. The one is healthy, the other one is unhealthy. Prioritizing thanksgiving will help us increase our inner health. If you want to have a healthy soul, start thanking God every day for everything you can think about. I promise you, you will stop thinking about the bad things around you. But Henny, what if uh, things are not going great? It is really not going great. Things are not going, um, not, it's not as Ayoba as Vodacom says. We're facing huge challenges. Oh, man, so thank you is the last thing on my brain at the moment. I just want to make it. I, don't, I just want to survive, Henny. But see, thanksgiving also increases your faith level. It increases our faith level when things are not going so well. It does. Let me give you an, an, an amazing story in Luke 9 where Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. Remember that story? Luke 9, verse 1 to 2. I love this. It's one day Jesus called together his 12 and gave them power and authority to cast out demons, to heal all diseases. And then he sent to them, he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You see that in Matthew 10 as well, Luke 9. I love the story where God gave them authority. But first, 
he did what? He imparted and anointed them. He imparted them with authority. It's so powerful. And then in verse 6, it's not up there. Verse 6, you see, immediately they went out, started preaching the gospel and healing the sick. Immediately. They went out. Jesus came, he imparted them, he, he, he commissioned them, and he said, yes, authority, go. And immediately it clicked and they did it. And then after months, it was actually a couple of months, because they traveled far and wide, they came back to Jesus and the following happened. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them towards the town of Bethsaida. I think Jesus said, okay, let's just go to I want to hear everything what happened. I mean, can you just, there was, I think the excitement was off the charts. These guys just wanted Jesus to hear about what they did, the miracles they did. I mean, they were pumped. Think about it. They were pumped with all the stories, the wonders that God has done. Man, their faith was on the next level. You could give them any challenge and they thought, man, whatever, I've seen everything. I can do everything. I mean, God is great. Jesus, I, I mean, now I believe you. Now, I mean, I've done everything. And what did Jesus do? He sent them out with nothing. The food, the, the, the clothes, on their, the clothes on, their, on their backs, the shoes on their, on their feet. That's the only thing they had. By faith, they lived for months. Until a few hours after they came to Jesus. And they walked into an impossibility. But the, crowd, the crowds found them where they was going and they followed him. And he welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. Late into the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place but Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. <laughs> the disciples had a legitimate issue. Let's just make that clear. This was a legitimate issue. 5,000 men plus women and children probably ended up about 12,000 people. How long ago were you in a room where 12,000 people were? Or in a field? Or in a rugby stadium? It was a long time ago. Eh? 12,000 people is a lot of people. And they had a, le a, a legitimate issue. I mean, they were just thinking pastorally. Jesus, we, we need to care for these people. They need to eat these kids here. Let's send them away. This is a remote place. Let's send them away to where they can go and get some food. And Jesus turned to them and said, you feed them. In the Passion Translation, it says the following. I love this. He says, you have food to feed them. I would think... Jesus, are you okay? Maybe you preach too much. Maybe it's just too much healings. Maybe it's just too much. Let's just let's sit down, a bit of water for you. Are you okay? We have like fish and a little bit of bread. And Jesus said, no, no, you have food to feed them. See, the disciples just came from a line. A, I mean, they were months on, on, on mission. They saw impossibilities. They saw miracles. They saw healings. They saw the authority of God working in every situation. And they come into a possibility and they say, Jesus, help Help Jesus. Okay, but wait, guys. What happened to your faith now? See, these guys went without money, without food, without just the clothes on their back. They knew what it is to be without food. 
And Jesus said to them, you have what you need to feed those around you. You have given, I have given you the authority. Use it. See, what Jesus actually said, he said, why don't you multiply the food? <laughs> I read this and I thought, ooh, ouch. Ouch. And all of us are waiting for Jesus to come. While he said, but you feed them. You've got the authority. You've got everything in your hand, in your heart. In your, I've, got, I've given you everything when I walked out of that grave. You feed them. But the disciples looked at the impossibility and they looked at what they didn't have when Jesus gave them everything they already needed. You see, so many times our focus is on what we don't have. And we miss what we do have. Come on. I'm speaking to all of us here this morning. So many times in our lives we look at what we don't have. Just go through a Black Friday and we realize, oh, all the specials. I actually need this stuff. <laughs> They're lying to you. <laughs> But there's so many things that we do have that we can thank God for. That we can thank God for. See, Jesus has given us so much when he defeated the enemy on the cross. See, we need to live from that perspective in life to thank God for the blessing, although we don't see that blessing yet. That's what faith is. Hebrews 11 was one. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. See, when you don't see it, start thanking God for it because He has already promised it. And then suddenly, some, some things start breaking through. That's the upside-down gospel, guys. Where Jesus came and he does everything upside down. Lord, but I want to see it before I believe it. No, no. You believe it, then you will see it. You speak it. You say thank you. you I mean, you call those things as if it is, although it's not. See, thanking God for the breakthrough that still needs to come because he's powerful and because of his authority in your lives. See, a moment of thanksgiving helps us realize that our God, our provider, is so much bigger than our lack, our problems, our issues, our challenges. No matter what I run into, how many of you had a challenge before? And you prayed and you stressed and you didn't know what, and then you go through it and you're at the other side and you realize, ooh, that wasn't that bad. Jesus, you were you're actually okay. Come on, I was there. And you realize that. He has done it all already. He has done it. He has given us the ability to, through a powerful thank you in our lives, to see the greater things that God has set up for us. I want to close with this scripture this morning. Philippians 4, 6, 7. You all know it so well. It says, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need. And then thank Him for all He has done. Right there. He says, you've got a need, don't worry. Pray about it and then thank me. And then He says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds you live as you live in Christ Jesus. The New King James says, peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't know about you, but I, I want that peace every day of my life. See, here Paul is instructing us not to worry. Come on, man, don't worry. Don't worry. This is a guy who had nothing. He was stoned to death two, three times. God raised him out of the dead. 
He went on missionary journey after missionary journey, having nothing to having everything. If you go on with Philippians 4, you see that's where his contentment came from because he had nothing and he had everything. And yet he says, my contentment is just thanking God of his goodness. See, as we do, we experience peace that surpasses all understanding. As we pray and say, Lord, you know my need, now we start thanking him. You see, this peace that he speaks about is from a deep faith that has been established through thanksgiving. Faith comes through thanksgiving. And even if our circumstances have not changed, thankfulness will alter our perspective from doubt to faith. That's what it is. That's why that, that testimony I just told you. They had doubt. They had stress. When they started thanking God for everything that's around them, suddenly they had faith. See, it's a biblical principle that we can't miss. And that's what Jesus said when that one leper came back and said, you have found something that the other nine have not found. You have found something. See, we can't take for granted what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we need to constantly thank Him. Thank Him and thank Him. Let's increase our thankfulness this year so that we build a habit for next year. And we, if we, when we increase our thankfulness, we open doors Faith increase, and guess what? Our souls get healthier. It does. Now, I want to finish with this words that Jesus said to the Samaritan. And it's almost a challenge for us. It says, Were there not any found who returned to give glory? And when I think about this, I pray that when Jesus returns one day and I'm not going to go into discussions of when, when, end time stuff, but he's coming. That's all we need to know. Will he find a bride that gives glory through thanksgiving or receives glory through thanksgiving? Will he find souls that is healthy because of thank yous? Because of thanking God for this, this one thing that I have. We are trying to teach our children that if you're worried and moaning about a one doll you just want and I walk into your room and it is filled with stuff that you're not playing with, okay, how many of these things do you want to give away so that we can get new ones? Because I think it's God's heart. But how many are you giving away to, give, to get? Thankful for what you have. I pray this morning that we will make room for Him. And as we make room for Him, we make room for Him and faith in our lives and a healthy soul when we start thanking God for the good things in our lives. I want to challenge you and think about it to maybe go on a, on a negativity fast. I'm serious. Next year, maybe start your year with a 30-day negativity fast. I can give you some scriptures and confessions and, and every day to do some confessions and then intentionally decide not to speak negative. But thank Him, intentional. And it is incredible when you start doing that. It breaks things open to your life. It starts the year with a new oomph that you need for next year. Because I'm, I'm excited about next year. I don't know about you. 
I'm starting, I'm busy praying about, Lord, what is your word? What, is, what are you giving us for next year? But I want to challenge us this morning and, and lovingly, lovingly challenge us to say, how are we stepping in to the last part of this year? Because how you step into the last part is how you step into the new part, that new gate. What is the password at the gate? Thank you. Thank you. Can you stand together? And I want to pray with us. Pray together this morning. And say thank you to God of His goodness in our lives. And just His unmerited favor. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are a good God. Your Lord. If we think about your goodness, we can't help by not saying, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are good to us. And Lord, no matter what we're facing and what the news says and what's coming and, and all these things, Lord, above everything else this morning, we're declaring together, we thank you. We thank you for our health. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this town, Father, that this town will know Jesus. That this church will be a light on the hill. Lord, that we thank you that every church in this town will proclaim the goodness of God. That people who are sitting in church this morning, wherever they are, will experience and encounter a God who is in love with them. Father, we thank you that we can laugh and smile and be filled with joy in a time like this. Lord, we make decision upon decision to be intentional. And the intentionality is focused on thanking you this morning. Lord, you are so good. So good. If you are here this morning, and I want to pray for you. And for those of you who feel that negativity is following you, your environment that you work or the, the family that will surround you this week, this holiday, that negativity is flowing from every corner. I want to pray for you that God protects you, that He fills your heart to such an extent with faith that you will be the catalyst, that you will be the one that speaks health and healing and life and goodness and thank yous into every conversation. If you are here and you feel that that's me, why don't you just put your hand on your heart this morning and just start thanking God that He, starts, that he will start filling you up with goodness. In a place where there is nothing, I challenge you this morning to start thanking God for the little. Because the Word says, He who is faithful with the little will see the much. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this church, Father. We thank you for everyone here this morning. We thank you for your protection over our lives, your health and your safety and your love, your peace, Father, over our lives. We thank you for a great Christmas this week, this, 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 uh, this month. Lord, we thank you for protection over our families. Lord, we thank you 
for the power of God in our lives, the authority of Jesus that He paid for on the cross. We thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.